everybody. This is Jeff from Startup Sack with another Sacramento Startups podcast founder AMA episode. Our April Startup Sack happy hour featured startup advisor, investor, and co-founder and CEO of Sama Learning, Barb DeHart, fielding a range of startup questions from the audience. Check it out. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Barb DeHart, and as I was driving down here, I live in Nevada City part-time and Berkeley part-time, and I was born and raised here in Sacramento. I was driving down the freeway, and my last name you never hear anywhere, and I was driving down the freeway, and there was a big, huge truck that said D-Hard Heating and Air Conditioning from Stockton, and I'm like, that's a good open, so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my background, born and raised here, um, I've lived in Nevada City for years and years and years and raised my children there, and was my first job out of school, I went to work for a tech company, and literally one day, I walked out of the building, and I thought, why doesn't everybody work in technology? I mean, it's the most amazing thing. You have all these groups, and engineering engineers, and marketing markets, and sales sales, but it's like this fascinating thing, and so uh, my background is, my education is in organizational behavior, so I love it when systems come together and work to make things. And I just thought that technology was like nirvana for me. So um, I joined, uh, I worked in the media and entertainment technology space my whole career. And what that means is early on, it was working for a company that makes switchers and editors and digital video effects. So if you think about entertainment tonight, they pan open and they have this big bank of monitors and they have a bunch of equipment on the table that switches all that, that does all that stuff. So came from the television business, basically. And um, I joined a tech startup. The CEO of that company left and asked me if I wanted to come play in this new company, and I did. And it was basically taking all of analog, the analog technology world, and converting it into digital. So it was things like we had new technology standards like MPEG-2 and the internet, this thing called the internet where you could send files across the internet. And so I spent my career kind of in that space. And then a couple of three years ago, I left there. And before I had left, um, somebody that I know very well had pitched, come and meet with, had met with my executive team and me. And they pitched this idea about education, an education technology company where we use virtual reality to teach STEM education. And um, my co-founder is a PhD in chemistry at Stanford, and he runs an AI research group that does all kinds of things I don't understand. Um, and so we started working on this idea of, like, you know, could could I was really workshopping the business model? Could this be? Could we build a defensible product that really uses the benefits of virtual reality and the benefits of artificial intelligence and data science as a whole to um, transform the way that we teach our students in education. And um, and we came to the point where we really started to believe in it. And um, because we felt it had all of the right things. It's a new technology. New technologies are perfect times, time for new companies to come into a space and be disruptive. Um, and so that was exciting, and um, you know the business model really started to hang together. And um, so we started. We thought, okay, well, we're going to put together a business model, and we're going to go out, we're going to pitch some VCs, and we're going to get some money, and we're just we're going to go off. And in two years, we're going to be in the market, and everything's going to be great. And it didn't kind of didn't really happen. <laughs> so um, we raised a little bit of money from friends and family, which me and my and um, uh, who's the CTO and co-founder of the company that it came from. So I, I, I'm in, I swim in the world of technology people. Even though I'm a business person, I love technology. And um, we put together a proof of concept because we thought, okay, we have this big opportunity. How do we, you know, what's the next indicated step? How can we start to build out from this big idea into these proven incremental steps to build credibility and prove to ourselves that we can do it. And so we went out, we built a, we built a prototype product, and we took it out to three schools, Loyola, Chico State, and Stanford, and we put it on 75 students, gave them a lesson in atomic orbital theory, which is, again, something I know a lot more about than I did before we started. Um, and we saw that their learning outcomes were a full letter grade. So we were to, and, and actually our lowest performers were, were 
being pulled up much more dramatically. Our lower performers increase was 277%. And in some classes, we were able to reduce the failure rate, which is your DFWs, the thing that teachers pay attention to, to zero. So we thought, excuse me, holy crap. We, not only does this work, but it really is effective in helping to bring something to the educational experience. So, so we thought, well, that's right. We have data. We've proven that our solution is, you know, a credible way to solve the problem. And so about a year and a half ago, we um, really started looking for funding. And we applied to the National Science Foundation. And I'm going to talk a little bit for those. Anybody here interested in what the investor landscape looks like and how you put it together? So I'm going to talk a little bit about that because I am so passionate about that. Um, but we were we applied for a National Science Foundation grant, and we were, we received uh, we received a small business grant from them, which is two phases, totaling all told about be about a million dollars. Okay, so it's a lot of money, right? So and also along with that comes a whole lot of it's like they call the small business program of the U.S. government the um, largest incubator in the world, because they invest like, I don't know, $3 billion a year or something. It's a huge amount of money. So there's a lot of support stuff that goes with it. So anyway, so we got that grant, and that funded our first product development. So we'll be releasing our first product in the fall, and we're going through an investor funding cycle now. To add to that, we also apply for Department of Education grants. So there's lots of money out there for all kinds of things. Um, and so... We are now head down in product development. We have 10 schools in our pipeline. We're working with a lot of Cal State systems. Um, and we're, gonna, we're committed to changing education by building this platform that brings the, not only the methodology, the scientific research methodology and scientific thinking into the process, but also it takes advantage of some of the newest technology that's out there. So that's in a nutshell. Can I talk just a little bit about the investor landscape? So... Um, you know, I am I'm like a context person, so I can't figure I can't like I can't get busy on something unless I have context and I know what the big picture looks like. So I'm gathering all these little data points, and I've acquired a ton of companies. And my last company, I we were bought by private equity a couple times. I represented my company, so I know what those worlds are like, but I have no idea what the investor seed, pre-seed, you know, what any of that stuff looks like. And so we spent a lot of time, and this came from uh, the fourth wave crew. So any female, if we have any women founders here, the, the fourth wave cohort is a, the fourth wave accelerator is a great place to be. Um, and so keep an eye out for that. But um, really identifying your investor landscape. And that is, they're vast, right? So what ours looked like was we have high net worth individuals. Right, who can just write a check for things that they're interested in. We have we have angel investors, right, which is a semi-organized in some ways. Like you know, there's there's groups of angels that work together and invest their money together and have processes and reviews and stuff together. There's um, there's pre-seed investors. There are micro VCs. There are impact VCs. There's traditional venture, and all of those come and all of those places in the traditional kind of equity where they buy a stake in your company. All of those have their own investment strategy. So they have their own thesis. Their thesis might be we only invest in Sacramento-based companies, or we only invest in women-led companies, or we only invest in companies that are led by people of color, LGBTQ, or you know, they, have, they can have or consumer products, or networking products, or medical, or healthcare, right? So every company, every one of those companies, they might have their own specific area of focus. And so each, everybody's investor landscape will look different. But it's really a valuable thing to do because then you know where you're spending your time, right? You're investing. You need to have these early seed, early stage companies early on, but you need to be building relationships with the others that are further down the line that may come in and lay around. So, so that was really helpful. And then there's the, this um, non-dilutive funding, meaning you get a grant and you perform and you never have to pay it back, right? So that's where the government comes in, and there is, you know. For any, in all, many, 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 many different types of companies, there is a tremendous amount of money that comes from the U.S. government. And we just came back from Washington D.C. for a, uh, an event around this. And you know, one of the things they talked to us is that we are stewards. They, the way they framed it was, we're not giving you money. As you know, as, as managers of these funds, 
we are managing the people's money and we are giving you the people's money and in order to spur on economic development and make advances in science across them. So I encourage everybody who has an interest or is looking for funding to go look at government funding. And also the, um, the oh, I'm trying to think of the name of it, Tech Futures Group. Tech Futures Group is an organization there in the Bay Area and in Sacramento. Uh, funded by the Small Business Administration. They have coaches and consultants that help you figure that stuff out. So, I love business. I love smallest. Questions? So, well, there are questions. First of all, please, I have to say, the ground rules are please raise your hand so, so that everybody has an opportunity to ask a question that wants to. So, we're special right here to your left, Barb. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Barb. <laughs> so, I'm curious, in terms of getting government funding, was the process significantly longer than if you were to go to an angel investor? Um, well, the thing about going to the government is that they have a very specific process. Usually, like the, the, the programs that we're in, National Science Foundation, Department of Ed, they have two calls a year. So in February, they'll have a call, and like in August, they'll have a call. And they have, everything is available on their website. You can go look at this. I mean, these are like 40-page documents that you have to read. But, and their proposals are very specific, but they tell you, you apply by May 23rd, your aunt, you, know, you will be notified by November 3rd. So it takes a while, it's like a nine month process. Okay. But when you get the money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Although we got we got notified of ours December 22nd. Does anybody here know what happened on December 23rd? Just party. The government shut down. Oh, that's right. Oh, oh yeah. So we got notified of our grant. The money is sitting in the government, and we go to the website like, let's transfer the money. And it's like, uh, due to the government shutdown, this website is okay. So we were like, <laughs> so it's a, it's a defined process. It is like, yeah. Okay. Did you write your own grant, or did you get help from a consultant? That is a great question. Um, we wrote our own grant for one reason and one. My co-founder has written grants for the Department of Energy that have resulted in seven million dollars worth of funding to his program. He is an expert grant writer, and anybody who isn't a grant writer, I would rely on the services and assistance from people who write grants because it's a very academic. And for most of us that are just involved in the business world, to be able, it's like writing a thesis paper. Not that I've ever written a thesis paper like that. But I mean, it's a, it's a scientific, you know, academic kind of way of writing. So it's good to have some. So when you were to compare like VC funding versus government funding and how you plan your business around those um, around going after that money, is there a difference between how you're planning or developing your business plan around the grant or something? Yeah, and so there's a little bit of a there's art to it and science to it. So our we have like so for the government money, you can only use the government part, the grants that we're part of, you can only use that money for product development and, and research. So for us, we're developing a product and then we're validating the efficacy of that product in the market in universities. That's that's the cycle. Can't use any of it for mar product marketing, marketing, business development, any of that stuff. So that's where we're looking to our, our venture funding, our equity funding is to is to is to match with that. So at least maybe dollar for dollar, maybe two dollars of invest of um, grant money for every dollar of outside investment. So you have to, like, so we have, we, I'm big on scenario planning. I love scenario planning. So we have a scenario that says we're never going to get another dime other than the $225,000 we got from the National Science Foundation. What does our business look like in that scenario? Then we have scenarios where we have Department of Ed money in phase two on the grants, and we have some, so we have different scenarios based on how the money flows.
fill STEM jobs in the U.S. and we're graduating way fewer STEM graduates, but we have STEM graduate we have STEM students coming into the pipeline, so we're focusing on that pipeline primarily because there's ROI and because there isn't hardware. Everybody doesn't have a VR headset yet, so we can't have a consumer play. So we have to go where we can sell hardware and software. Um, so it's universities and largely schools, and part of that is because they have money, they have a problem. But also because that's where we do our research. We do our research at universities, and that research is really valuable for us. And so they they partner with us to do it. What was your second question? Oh, uh, who's developing content? That is a great question. So, has anybody here ever heard of things like sequential learning or um, open learning initiative? They're, these are these are basically artificial. These are huge data sets that students of students interacting online with content, and there's a lot of data that comes off of that. And so there's artificial intelligence. So there's trained algorithms to understand, oh, where, what gap I have. And so they'll serve me up a piece of information that fills that gap for me. So that, that entire kind of, that, that's all part of our platform. Uh, and I'm just going to totally lose my train of thought because I have two thoughts just collided right there. <laughs> content. So our first strategy is we develop content and we get it out everywhere so we can start generating data so we can learn. It's all anonymous data. We don't know who it is, but how, so we can start to learn about how people learn, and then we can make better content. But we'll also develop content development tools. So once we validated our learning framework, then uh, and started to develop a lot of our algorithms that will be trained on the data sets, then we'll be able to bring outside people in. So if I'm a professor, or if I'm a textbook company, or then I can be, they can be developing content that is validated on our platform. Like kind of like the game model. Any other questions? Yeah. How do you manage checks and balances, right? How do you make sure the government doesn't come back and say, you didn't fulfill your end of the bargain, we want our money back? So every, pro every government program has a program manager, and you have that program manager really is your best friend. The program manager, we give up updates to our program manager, and they are the ones that are evaluating, did you meet your research objectives based on the technology? Did you do what you said you were going to do? And then they are also the ones who recommend you in addition to other folks, but recommend you for this for additional phases. And like I said, phase two of an NSF grant is $750,000 with the potential for a third phase, one of matching of $500,000. So how many people here are have a startup or some have their own company? In what kind of spaces? Like, what is your company? to talk to <laughs> in when you're trying to fund uh, I don't I don't need funding just to you know I want to get collaborate my company with the medical colleges so I need to speak to the right person and this is really complicated I you get know, transferred every day I'm transferred to forever different people one of the thoughts um, about that are you know events that like this, like a meetup that's in the, if you can find a meetup in the space or some kind of casual environment where people might be attending. But one of the things that we, we just went through from the, at the behest of the National Science Foundation was we went through and had to interview 30 of our prospective customers. And in the second phase of this grant, they had you interview 100. And these are face-to-face -face interviews with 30 people in your ecosystem. And I was like, I spent my, I spent my whole career in marketing. I don't need to do this, you know. And it blew Number one, we said we're doing research. We're not here to talk about our product. We just wanted to understand the pain points of the customers. We learned volumes. And there have been companies that pivoted and changed their whole business model based on this type of interview. So I totally am now a huge fan girl for <laughs> find people and say, look, we're interested in entering the space. You don't really need to talk about what you do, but what you want to find out is what problems and pain points they have. And hopefully your idea, now 
establishes those pain yeah. points. And then you can come back in. You've already established a relationship. You can come back in and say, hey, give us feedback on this idea or whatever. I'm glad that you brought up the grant because I just connected with somebody at the other job I do. And um, his wife is a professional grant worker. That, she does all she does. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. All this time I've been chit-chatting with you in the break room and all this other stuff. We didn't know, you know. So, yeah, it's thank a really, you for that. It's a really unique skill set writing grants because yeah, you have to – really have to know what the right other side and is she focuses on education oh. but for the golfing side so i'm hoping that she's able to transition and yeah so yeah it's a special skill yeah it's a special yeah so i did the market research i identified the needs i have customers lining up on both sides and i'm stuck with something really silly it might sound silly to people but just building the platform i'm a marketing business person
start to build that relationship. I've had so many great connections on LinkedIn and on Twitter. It's been amazing. There's a great investor community on Twitter. There's all kinds of... You guys do a tremendous amount of
production, or is it going to be very like a school is going to receive maybe ten or twelve, and then it's going to? Yeah. So uh, we the, these products are these head, this headset right here is it called a tethered headset. It's about four hundred dollars. It's from Lenovo, so we don't make the hardware. Oh, okay. We make the apps. We make the curriculum. Right. Um, and Oculus has a version coming out with two controllers. So this is um, this is called a three degree of freedom controller, single controller. Oculus has one that's four hundred dollars. It's going to have two six degree of freedom controllers. How many people have ever used VR? Oh my gosh, you guys are so much. You're way <laughs> way way better than most college classes that we've done. because usually we have like out of thirty students, we have like two or three that have said that. You know, um, but ours is the app that runs on it. So we teach, or we have full, complete lessons on chemistry, physics, biology. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, did I hear you say that impact venture capital was different from traditional venture capital? Yeah. So think of traditional venture capital as the people who invested in Facebook. And think about, like, Kapoor in, in Oakland. Kapoor Capital is uh, was started by the couple who... Is that their last name before he started Lotus One Two Three? So the thing sold to IBM a billion years ago, and um, so they are impact investors, and what they mean is social impact. So they have, so they're very focused on education initiatives, um, and they have both a uh, traditional venture and then a nonprofit side. So they invest in nonprofit organizations as well as nonprofit organizations, and they have a traditional venture. So what they're typically what. As I understand it, I'm not an expert, but as I understand impact investing, it's that they're looking for social impact, and that's part of their equation for success. So it's not, you know, it's not that I expect returns to be more consumer-oriented returns. I expect, you know, I might, my, my horizon might be longer. I might have a, take a different percentage of the company. So they have a different, basically a different calculator on how they make their investments, and it comes from the desire for social Uh, what they call broad area 
uh, announcements for certain areas, like Navy or something like that. Then there'll be funding opportunity announcement. They got their own jargon, FOAs, and then there'll even be pre-announcements. So they'll they'll release the, the FOA next month, but they'll have a pre-release um, just so people can see what it looks like, but that's not the final release. The Small Business Innovative Research grants um, for the defense side are offered three times a year. Three, yeah, so they're all different, and they all have different uh, like metrics around success going from phase one to phase two. Like we're in a 50-50, but uh, like NIH, National Institutes of Health, theirs is like if you get a phase one grant, you're basically getting a phase two. I mean, it's very unlikely that you would not receive your phase two. So they all have their own little things. The other segment of investor is uh, foundations. Bill and Melinda Gates, Zuckerberg Chan, um, you know, all of these big, huge, if you're doing anything in sustainable engineering and sustainable energy, or in education, or in anything that has social impact, there is money out there. The core capital or core center in Oakland, there's tons of money out there. Who needs to raise, who wants to raise money? <laughs> and I think to piggyback what the gentleman said, I think it's sam.gov. It's where you look. Was that? I think it's sam.gov is the, the main. And then you Sam's Sam. The, uh, yeah. 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 You have to register. They have there. funding yeah. with Sam's. No, you you create your your guidelines account, right? And then you start fishing from there. Yeah. It's very, their website's it's a lot of it. But yeah. if you go to grants.gov, that sounds like a portal into a it's portal. Yeah. yeah. SAMS is for, uh, I think it's system administrative. It's an administrative thing that you have to be listed. But yeah. It's you have to be willing to go through some bureaucracy, but it could be right. free money. So why not? What's the funnest part about being an entrepreneur? Flexibility. It's exciting. Choice. <laughs> you are the boss. Yeah. <laughs> you get to take all the credit, and you get to take all the. You get to take responsibility. Oh. There's also something fun about. I used to work in a big organization in town, where you know the biggest group there was like forty thousand people or something, but each person is like a small tiny. It is because you're you're it. It's like who is gonna? Oh wait, I have to. <laughs> today with a woman who was my uh, head of my marketing team at my last company, and I'm like, you know, so sometimes I sit at my desk, sometimes in my pajamas, and I put my Lynn hat on, and I do my marketing stuff, and then I go over and I put my electronic like, manager Charlie hat on, and I'm doing my front. It's like you know, I used to have people that did this stuff for me, but then you do it all, and you learn it from the inside out. So that and then. Pacific 
what, what, how that would become a business. I, I don't know. But that's sure, right. Well, that's great. And I mean, that's like if you have a dream, right? It's like if you can do anything in the world to be guaranteed that you would be successful, whether you make a ton of money at it or any money at it or not. I want to hike the Pacific Cat Rest Trail. That's a great story. Yeah, it is. You know, yeah. Netflix all the time. Right. Yeah. Who, else has, who, else, who else knows what they would Clean water projects throughout the world. I don't know how you make money nice. from it, but it's such a huge need. And yeah. I got really inspired when I watched that movie, The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. Oh. Yeah, the true story of how he built this windmill from old bicycle parts for, um, for his village that was going through a drought. So if we could alleviate the suffering from drought throughout the world, which would also be safer and would help ensure that a lot of girls would be able to exactly. go to school <laughs> instead of having to walk miles to go get water. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 That's a great idea. So who, who, who has a start here? Raise your hands. Who has a challenge? Who's facing a challenge as a start? What's your biggest challenge? No questions asked. <laughs> In what content? Like just of general people or as it relates to uh, taking a product market and launching a peer to peer marketplace. Uh, there's so many different moving parts. It's not just a straight pipeline. Um, how to just managing that entire thing is one giant. What was your right. challenge? Well, it's kind of along the same lines. You kind of 
already answered it, but in essence, trying to find the right person with the purchasing power, especially when you're doing B2B, and that's what you were doing as B2B um, transactions. But, um, but yeah, you, you kind of answered just talking to a bunch of people and asking what their situation is and what the pain points are. Eventually, you get to the, the right person with the purchasing power. Yeah, and, and one of the best questions that we found uh, that I love is, like, so what's your product? What do you... Well, it, it was a brand sim, uh, supplement, um, so I had to dissolve the, uh, the company due to uh, some founder issues. Um, lesson learned there, yeah. uh, but uh, in essence trying to look at restarting it and then even going with another consumer-based good uh, concerning tea and cocoa. Yeah, and so um, I think that one of the best questions we found in this last cycle of interviews was, um, and ours is education technology, so we talk about, like, what is your view of of student success and how do you measure it and how important is data to your system and all that like this kind of background stuff and then when was the last time what was the last piece of education technology that you bought and what was that process like like who was involved in it like that and if you if people don't think that you're selling because you don't want to sell them something you just want to inquire about creating the picture about what this ecosystem looks like then they share that information with you and then you build a trusted relationship that someday may provide value but when was the last time, like, when you buy whatever the type of supplement is, how do, who, who is that, like, what does that process look like? Who has the idea? Who brings it in? Is there an internal advocate? Who does the purchasing? Who does the approvals? Like, what does that system look like? And just let people talk, and they'll start to tell you. I just think that's a great question. When was the last, when the last time, when was the last time you bought something like, like we sell, but I'm not selling you? And then let them tell, talk, and they'll share a ton of information.